Hi, my name is Brian, and I'm the lead pastor at Grand Valley Church. We hope that this message helps you explore faith and connect with Jesus. Welcome to week two of Rest for the Stressed. We are tackling a series all about how do we find rest when we're stressed out. And last week, we began this series by talking about how we often need to turn down the background noise. We need to turn down the background noise that is constantly trying to vie for our attention and instead choose to amplify the voices that matter, choose to amplify God's voice, choose to focus on what is most critical and what is most important in our lives. And if we do that, we can actually start to learn how to rest in the middle of being stressed. And so today, we're continuing that by talking about how do we find rest that recharges us. Because rest that actually recharges us will not happen on its own when we need it the most. In fact, when we are stressed, the times when we need rest the most is actually when it's the most difficult to rest. It's the most difficult to pause and take a step back and actually take care of ourselves. And so today we're going to explore this by looking at a story from the Gospels. It's found in three of the four Gospels. It's found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are known as the Synoptic Gospels. They follow a very similar structure and timeline. And then the fourth Gospel in our New Testament, John, he chooses to actually mix up the timeline a little bit, and he groups things together thematically, and he focuses on stories and experiences that Jesus had that the first three Gospels didn't cover. And so even though this is found in three Gospels, we're going to focus on Luke's telling of it today. And so we're going to pick up the story by going to Luke 8, verse 22. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got in a boat and they started out. Now, where they are in this story is the Sea of Galilee. And they have just been spending a couple days there where Jesus has been teaching, he's been healing people, he's been performing miracles. And great crowds of people have come to explore and to see and ask questions about who is this Jesus of Nazareth that we've been hearing about so much. And so after they've been there for a while, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. There's people there that we want us to talk to. And so they start to sail across. And verse 23 tells us this, as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap, but soon a fierce storm came down upon the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. Now, we need to know something about the geography of the Sea of Galilee to understand that just what kind of storm this is. The Sea of Galilee is actually located below sea level, and it's inland from the Mediterranean Sea a little ways, but between them is a mountain range. And surrounding the Sea of Galilee on all sides is tall hills. And so when the wind comes off the Mediterranean Sea, over the mountains, and down into the valley, where the Sea of Galilee is, that causes some pretty severe and unique weather systems. And so a storm on the Sea of Galilee can really come up without any warning. And it is a treacherous sea to be on. And remember, some of Jesus' disciples are fishermen. They had spent much of their lives on boats. They had handled storms before. They know what they're doing. But they understand that The boat is filling with water, and they are in real danger. Now, one person on the boat doesn't feel the same way. In fact, in the middle of this terrifying storm, Jesus is sleeping. He's having a rest while the disciples are battling the storm. Now, I remember 
one time when I read this story, probably as a teenager, early teens, I was reading through the Gospels and I read this and I was thinking, wait a second, why does Jesus need to sleep? I mean, isn't he God? Like, why is he resting? And I mean, why hasn't, why haven't they woken him up yet? I remember pausing on this and saying like, why, why is Jesus just sleeping? And something that I know now that I didn't know then is that when Jesus came into the world, he chose to do something very unique, something that only he could do. And Paul writes about this in his letter to the Philippian church. And so we're going to jump ahead to the letter of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 6. Paul writes this. He says, though he, meaning Jesus, though Jesus was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. What that means is Jesus knew that if he came into the world full of his divine power and privileges, it would be very difficult for us as humans, us as people, to feel like we could connect and relate to him. And so Jesus gave this up. In fact, Paul writes on the next verse, he said, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, meaning he was born under the law of their Torah law, their covenant, and he was born as a human being. What that means is Jesus gave up his divine privileges. Now, he still was fully divine and fully human at once. But what that means is that whenever Jesus performed a miracle, whenever Jesus did something miraculous and knew things that he couldn't possibly have known from any other way, that was the work of the Holy Spirit active in Jesus's life. The very same Spirit that Jesus promised and sent and gave to us, his followers, beginning at the day of Pentecost. Now, that's a little bit of an aside, but the point I'm making here is that Jesus gave up those divine privileges. That means that Jesus, when he was here on earth, needed to rest, eat, and sleep just like we do. And you can imagine after spending several days of teaching and healing people and having these great massive crowds of people pressing in, trying to see you, trying to meet you, Jesus was tired. Tired enough that he could sleep in the middle of the storm. But I still kind of wonder about this because even though Jesus regularly took time away from his ministry to rest, and I'm sure he was very tired and needed that rest, but this isn't just any place to lie down for a sleep. How could Jesus be sleeping in the middle of this storm? Now, I've never slept on a boat, but I have been in a sailboat when winds got a little stronger than what I could handle. And maybe some of you watching this right now, maybe you were at family camp thinking, man, Brian's having a wonderful time out on that sailboat. I really was not. And some of you know the story. And in fact, Camille might never loan me his sailboat again, and I would totally understand that. But even though I haven't slept on a boat, I have fallen asleep on a plane. And I know that the moment that plane hit the turbulence, I woke up immediately. I did not stay sleeping when that plane started bouncing around when it hit some turbulent air. But Jesus, no matter how tired he was, is completely asleep, even as the boat is filling with water. Waves are probably crashing over. He's probably getting splashed with water from the waves. But Jesus is still sleeping. In fact, we pick up this story in verse 24. The next verse says this, The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. They had to wake up Jesus. I mean, that is some kind of tired he must have been. But Jesus wakes up and he rebukes the wind and the raging waves and suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. And sometimes we 
look at this and we say, wow, isn't that amazing that Jesus had the power to control even the weather when it affected them? And yes, that is something miraculous. And it shows that Jesus really is the Son of God, that the Spirit was working through him because of that unique relationship that he has with the Father and Son as the Trinity. But I want to focus on this next verse because Jesus says to the disciples, he asks them a question. He says, where is your faith? Now, two series ago, we did a series called The Truth is Out There. And one of those weeks of that series was about faith. And we talked about defining what faith is. And we talked about how the best definition of faith is to say that faith is informed trust. That means that faith is not just believing and hoping for a good outcome. Faith is, in fact, knowing what we can trust because of how we've been informed. Knowing what we've seen God do in the past means that we can have trust an informed trust in what God will do in the future. That's what faith is, understanding what God will do because of what God has done. And if we think about these disciples, these guys that have been with Jesus for quite some time now, they have witnessed all of Jesus' miracles, but somehow they forgot that Jesus could be the one who could save them from the storm. When they woke him up, it wasn't, hey, do something. It was, we're going to drown. I mean, why not just let the guy go in his sleep if that was the case? No, no, but here's the deal. Jesus knew that this was not going to be the end of his ministry. He knew that a storm wasn't going to take them out. And so he looks to his disciples and he says to them, where's your faith? You've seen what I've done before. Why won't you trust in what I am still yet to do? Now, the reason why the disciples couldn't do that The reason why the disciples have pretty much forgotten who Jesus is is because stress can cause us to have tunnel vision and forget the bigger picture. The disciples are so stressed and terrified in the moment in this storm that they can only see the storm. They can't see anything beyond it. And that might feel like how some of us, might be similar to how some of us feel right now, that we can only see the stress of what we're going through right now and we cannot see the bigger picture or the future beyond this pandemic. So what do we do? What do we do to break that tunnel vision? How can we break our razor focus on the problem in front of us that is just drawing us in and making us more and more stressed and anxious? How do we break that? And to break that, to find rest, to start getting towards rest that recharges, we have to start with giving ourselves permission to rest. We actually need to give ourselves permission to step back from what's stressing us and to say, no, I need to do something to rest to take care of myself right now. I need to find rest that recharges me. Because oftentimes, and I've been guilty of saying this in the past, and maybe this is something you've said as well, but sometimes we want to say, I'll rest when the work is done. But that means we're never going to rest because the work will never be done. There's always another challenge. There's always another problem. There's always the next thing in front of us that is still facing us that we have to tackle. And so saying, I'll rest when when the work is done is not sufficient. But we can follow Jesus' example. We can find rest even in the middle of difficult situations. Because if Jesus can give himself permission to rest in the middle of a storm, so can you. So can I. We can choose to actually pause and stop 
and rest and find that rest that recharges us. And so once we overcome that first hurdle of actually just giving ourselves permission to rest, of saying, it's okay for me to rest. In fact, it's good, it's beneficial for me to rest. So I need to give myself permission to do that. Now then the next question that always comes up is, well, what does rest look like for you? And I can't answer that for everyone because this will be different for each of our unique situations. But what I can tell you is some of the things that I've discovered and some of these things I'm good at, some of these things I'm not. And so I am learning this with you as we're tackling this together. But something that I've learned and something that I've talked about in previous series a long time ago here is that active rest is better than passive rest. And what I mean by that is rest that recharges will often still involve us doing something, but it means we're doing something different. And so one example of that is that active rest means like taking time to actually focus on our spiritual well-being, taking time to read scripture, to listen to worship music, to pray, to spend time journaling. All those things are things that can feed our spiritual selves but they're active. They require us to do something. In the same way, it's healthy to do things that feed our minds as well, to read, to learn a new skill. Maybe you have a hobby that's something challenging and rewarding. You know, doing that is often a way of finding rest, even though you may be doing something and busy. In the same way, rest that recharges often involves taking care of our physical selves as well, exercising, getting our heart rate up for a bit, choosing to eat well, learning to cook healthier foods for ourselves. Those are all things that help us physically and are part of taking care of our whole person. And lastly, one of the things that we all know that we need right now is we need to find ways to feed our relationships. And yes, right now we can't get together in person, but we can still get together in many other ways. You can spend time calling someone, texting them, have a video chat, have a group video call with a group of people and just share what's going on. Do something funny, play a silly online board game together. Do something to help foster those relationships. Don't let the imperfectness of meeting over a phone or a video call stop you from actually reaching out and having that relational connection with someone. Because we may say, well, it's not as good as sitting across the table and having a coffee with someone, yes, it's not as good as that. But don't let the not as good mean you don't do it at all because that is not healthy for us. We we were created to be relational because God himself is relational. And so we need to make sure that we still feed our relationships, find ways to laugh and have fun with people because those active forms of rest are the ones that will recharge us way better than passive rest. And what I mean when I say passive rest is the rest that doesn't actually recharge you. Choosing to be mindless for a long period of time. You know, maybe for me, this would be an example of like, you know, if I spend like part of a day, not that that really happens that often anymore with kids around, but if I spend a big chunk of a day just on a massive Netflix binge or a movie marathon, I feel more tired and weary after that than I did before. Passivity doesn't recharge me, and maybe you're the same way too. Maybe passivity doesn't recharge you either, and so we need to lean into what are these active forms of rest. But I want to leave us with one last little teaching of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. 
And Jesus said this to a group of people that he was teaching, that were following him, to his disciples that were there. He says to them this, and he gives this as a promise. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Doesn't that sound like us right now? Doesn't that sound like us, that we are all weary and carrying heavy burdens? Don't we all need that rest that Jesus is offering? Jesus goes on, and he says, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't that the kind of rest we want right now? Rest for our souls? Rest for all of who we are? See, if we want to find that rest, we have to give ourselves permission to find it. Our stress will tell us, you can't afford to rest. And we need to shut down that voice. That's one of the background voices we need to ignore and push to the side. And we need to choose to focus on that voice of Jesus that says, come to me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. So I hope today that you will give yourself permission to rest, that you'll lean into one of those active resting examples to care for yourself spiritually, physically, mentally, relationally, to choose to lean into those things because that's where we'll find the rest that recharges us. Now, next week, we are going to wrap up this series by talking about burnout. Burnout's what happens when we stay in stress too long and when we go past stress. And so we're going to talk about how do we make our lives burnout-proof? How do we put the barriers and the practices and the things that we need to have that will prevent us from hitting burnout? So that's going to be next week. I hope, folks, you have a great Sunday. I hope you find rest today. I hope you connect with someone and laugh together and have fun together. And I hope that you are able to find rest no matter how stressed you are. See you online next Sunday. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you know of someone that would benefit from hearing the message you just listened to, would you do us a favor and share this podcast with them? And while you're at it, please consider subscribing to be the first to hear when our podcast is updated. If you want to join in on Sundays, our services are streaming online at 11 a.m. Central. To find out more about our church, go to mygrandvalley.ca and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for My Grand Valley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.